Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Time it is. It is the In the Scope podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And we got a jam packed show today. We got Josh Friedman coming on later on to talk even more about uh, Bears and Bulls. But this, just to top off the show, I had to get this brother on my podcast, man. He's the big, he's, he's the big deal. He's doing great things in the industry. And not just that, he's just, he's just a good friend and a good mentor overall, man. Everybody give it up for. Jared Payton, who's doing big things at WGN TV. What's up, man? Man, I'm good, bro. I'm just uh, just trying to calculate all this stuff that's going on, especially, you know, in Bears country, man. We're just trying to figure it out. A lot of questions going on, man, but appreciate you for having me on. Hey, no problem at all. I appreciate you for coming on my show, especially since, you, you know, you guys over at WGN have treated me well, especially when we had uh, sports feed. Uh, yeah, y'all, y'all treated me well over there, man. And, and you know, it's only right to return the favor, uh, you know, in the industry. It's a great, just glad to have you on board and talk about something that's so close to your heart, you know, with the Bears, um, obviously, because we know you have the history in your family with Walter Payton. Um, and the fact that you grew up in the Bears, uh, you know, family and the fact that you know this, fam- this uh, organization very well. Please explain to me what's going on, because honestly, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you have... Ted Phillips, Matt Nagy, the McCaskey family, all pretty much saying, and Ryan Pace, they're all saying, oh, we're making progress. And I'm like, what progress? Your QBs, you have no, you can't solve your QB problem. Defense got worse since Chuck McConnell got there. No disrespect. In my opinion, I think the defense got worse. And you don't have no offense. Matt Nagy's a sports group, this offensive guru, and it just seems like you can't get nothing flowing. And yet that's progression. I don't know. Help me understand this situation going on with the Bears right now, man. Dude, Jay, I'm like, it's it's hard, man. I can't sell you on this, bro. I really can't. I can't sell you on, you know, what you heard in the press conference. I just can't. Like, it's tough. It's tough to sit and watch, you know, this team and this organization over time where, you know, you you question just – you know, where the mindset is and, and, and what they're really striving for. Um, the one thing that I will say, and I know that he gets a lot of flack and the family gets a lot of flack, but 
the McCaskey family, they're amazing. Like they're amazing people. And uh, just with my interaction with them and, you know, what we've been through with them, with my dad and, and just, you know, life after my dad and our, and our relationship, uh, George is an amazing man. And, you know, I think he really does want to win. Honestly, I do. I know it sounds crazy and people are like, no, man, you know, the McKay, nah, I think he wants to win. I think they're still trying to figure out the best way to go about it. And they're trying to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes when you're a businessman, you know, you put your trust into people and it's, you're, especially when it's something that you're passionate about. And, you know, the bears, this is, this is, this is their baby. The, the Chicago bears are their baby, man. They didn't, you know, you look at not a lot of these other organizations. Now you see these, these owners, right. They, they come from, you know, owning Walmart or owning Target, you know, all these other stuff. Like the McCaskies made their money with the bears. This is, that's how they, they grew their wealth. And so, um, you know, over time they, they've tried to figure it out. And I think, you know, looking to Ryan Pace, they thought that he was the answer to be able to fix all those problems. And now that you look back on it six years later, it's, there's still a lot of question marks there. And, you know, a lot of the questions I think people wanted answers to during the press conference in the season end press conference, they didn't get. And some of the things that, you know, everybody said on that Zoom call just didn't make sense. And it's gonna leave a lot of question marks moving forward. But you have to look at the situation this organization is by looking at a lot of it. And, and this is just me, a lot of it going back to that Mitchell Trubisky draft. I mean, that's the part that Bears fans will never get over. Like Ryan Pace at that moment, trying to figure out what he was trying to do, if he was trying to be the smartest guy in the room, if he didn't do his homework, because it's either it's either or. It's either you didn't do your homework to be able to understand that there were some other quarterbacks that you should have you should have talked to all three of them. You know, all the three that were there, Watson, Mahomes, Trubisky, sit down with them, put them on the big board, tell them to break down plays, have all have your coaching staff in there trying to figure out if, if it was me, that's what I would have done, because I would have want the guy that was going to show me, holy cow, he knows everything and he already has it. Let's let, we can and we can work with him. We'll figure out a way to be able to surround him with the tools to be successful and from looking at how the game plan was in 2020, especially when we saw Mitchell Trubisky become successful at the end of the season after getting his starting job back, a lot of it was tailoring the game to, to things that fit him, moving out of the pocket, cutting down half the field so you don't have to make too many decisions. If that was the case, they should have been doing that from the beginning to get him going and when, Ryan, when Matt Nagy came in, that should have been the thing too. But Matt Nagy was trying to already, he was already on uh, 202 in, in the algebra, right? And, and Trubisky was still on one-on-one. And he, they, they try to kind of fit him in there and say, oh, you, you got to be here. And it just didn't work out. And so, you know, the fact now that we're, we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're looking at our situation in the NFL, if you do not have a starting quarterback, like a good starting quarterback, you're not winning anything. You're not, you're just not winning anything. And so 
we're behind the eight ball now. Because after selecting Mitchell Trubisky, then you started to kind of piece it together. What you you mean you had Mike Glennon and and now you you got Nick Foles. You were you were you were having to go out. I want to understand why you weren't drafting quarterbacks even after that draft with Trubisky. Like nowadays, you gotta draft quarterbacks. You have to. And the in the organizations that are successful, let's be honest. I don't even need to talk about all the organizations. I only need to talk about one. And let's go back to when they were their dynasty. That was the New England Patriots. What did they do? Even though they had the GOAT, Tom Brady, what did they do? They were still drafting quarterbacks. They were still developing quarterbacks. And that goes to show, even if you have a player like Tom Brady, who could go down as the best, greatest quarterback of all time, and you're still drafting quarterbacks, and look at some of the ones that kind of fractured off that had success, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe I think Castle was there, if I'm not mistaken. Like they had they uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett, all these they were they were drafting quarterbacks. Ryan Pace didn't do that after the Trubisky draft. And so now you're left in a situation with only Nick Foles on the, the roster. And now you got to figure out where you're going to be drafting and you're probably not going to be able to get one of those top-tier quarterbacks. So now you're looking at being in the same situation that you were in 2020. Do I dare ask this question? Do the Bears try to find a way to right wrongs and bring Deshaun Watson to the Chicago? Oh, man, I was, seeing, I was thinking about that. I was hearing a lot of people talk about that. Um, full disclosure, that was my favorite. That When I was looking at all those quarterbacks in that draft, um, I really, I watched Mahomes, but I really didn't watch Mahomes like Texas tech. I just didn't watch those games, but I knew he had some crazy ability and I knew his pedigree and where he came from. So I was like, man, this dude is, he's pretty nice. He, he has the opportunity, but the dude that I did see a lot of was Watson. And I saw him in national championship games, just like everybody else. And it, it hurt me because I heard a lot of people knocking him, the, the, the higher ups, the, the people that, you know, have the biggest megaphones just talking about, he can't throw the deep ball. He can't do this. And I was like, wait a minute. Have you, all you have to do is turn on his two national championship games that he played against Alabama to see what this dude is all about. I don't need to watch any other games for what? That's all I need to do is watch those games. And in the big games, he played phenomenal and you knew he had it in him. And, you know, listening to him after how he breaks down defenses and how he talks in his press conferences, he's not just giving you the, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we got to get better. He's breaking it down saying, yo, on that play, man, the safety came down. You know, I knew I had a hot read. And so what I did was like, he, like he's like a coach on the football field and the great teams and the great quarterbacks, they have that ability to do that. Not to knock on Mitchell Trubisky. He's just not there yet. He's not there. And so I think about Watson. I think Watson really has, he's in his feelings about the Bears not selecting him. Um, I think it would be a great fit here in Chicago for him. I'm not a numbers guy and draft capital guy and all that stuff. I just know how to play football. I don't know like what you need to give up to be able to get him. But the Bears, are, they're not in that situation right now. They got other needs, Jay. So it, it's hard to say, yeah, you know, 
do whatever it takes to be able to make it happen. I can't tell you how to do that, but I think if you're having to give up a lot, you're also going to be, he could be in that same situation that he is in in Houston. When you talk about team wise, like, you know, like you got to be able to put things around him and be able to, to put those pieces around him. And there's a lot of question marks about what happens to Allen Robinson. Is he still around? Um, There's just so many other questions and things that you have to fulfill to be able to be better and to be able to contend not just at a league level, I'm talking about just in your own division because Aaron Rodgers ain't slowing down right now. And you got to be able to keep up with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the bears aren't there yet. And I just don't know if you're given, if you'd have to give up too much, but just imagine what Watson, if Watson could come here to Chicago, if he could find a way to be successful here and win a championship, man, like, (laughs) Dude, he would never have to pay for nothing. Like, he wouldn't even have to pay for nothing if he went out of town. Like, people would take care of his bills if he left out of town to go places. Everybody always talks about, like, you went in that city, like, you never have to pay for nothing. Like, Chicago wins, if he was like, yep, when he got done, he won a championship here, and he moved to, like, California, they still would be paying his dinner bills in California from Chicago. They'd be Venmoing him <laughs> money, dude. That's, that's what it would mean. But this city has got to figure out how to in this organization has to figure out how to get that position right because they haven't got it right yet and we've seen it now in the nfl if you can't get it right no matter how good your defense is you're not winning anything it's it's a quarterback driven league and they got to figure out how to how to get that position right and solidify it so we can really give this organization an opportunity to truly make a run Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Jared Payton. Uh, Jared, you mentioned that obviously the Bears have a lot of things they got to work out. Um, aside from the quarterback, you know, like you mentioned, Allen Robinson. I mean, you didn't sign the dude when you had the chance to sign, extend him, and he deserved every penny that you need. So that he, that I think he deserved every penny. Um, you, you don't know what's going on with your QB situation. Your defense is somewhat derailing. What are the needs that you think, if you were in the Bears' uh, front office management, what do you think are the needs that they need to address first to improve this roster over the well, offseason? I mean, uh, first let's start with the Al Robinson thing. I mean, it, it's just – it's mind-blowing because I just – I don't understand it. You know, since he put on a Bears uniform, he's just been nothing but special and showing that he can be dependable on a week-to-week basis. Um, doesn't talk a lot, but has a lot of production on the football field. We saw that in his 2020 stats. There, you, it's hard to find number one receivers in the NFL. It really is. It's really, really hard. They got one. They have one in their possession right now that's there, and they didn't take care of that when they probably should have. And so I, I don't know. I just have a feeling in my heart he's not going to be back. You know how many other teams are going to want his services? Mess around, mess around and not, you didn't sign him and, and take care of him early on. Mess around and see if he goes to Green Bay and watch what happens. Your Bears fans are going to be very, very salty in, in their feelings because just imagine what a guy like Aaron Rodgers would do 
with another receiver like that. Come on, man. And Adams, come on, man. But we'll have to see how that plays itself out. To me, it comes down to how you have to win football games and how you have to win championships. And it, it starts, you know, other than the quarterback, next, next thing you got to do is you got to address offensive line. You got to make sure that your offensive line is, is top notch. And seeing what the Bears did, you know, late in the year, trying to figure out, and they were dealing with injuries, you know, during the year, especially early on. And then, you know, by the end of the season, they started to figure out how to be able to put, you know, Mustafer at, at center and, and then moving Cody White here to guard and just trying to mix things around a little bit. They got to figure out how to stack that, you know, tackle is another position you got to start thinking about too. And I think interior on both sides, offensively and defensively, you, you gotta, you gotta add more. And we know we have, you got Mac, you got to figure out another issue this season, especially late in the season. If you take away the Texans game, is sacks getting to the quarterback. And I think the lack of, I mean, we know Mac, when you look at his numbers, pressures on the quarterback are there. Getting to the quarterback and getting the quarterback on the ground and getting those sacks is to me, one of the biggest issues. And if you want to be able to help out the back end of your defense, you got to get that right. You, you, you have to get that right because that helps out guys like Eddie Jackson and who, if you talk to him, he'd probably tell you this was not the year that he was expecting in 2020. He knows he has to get better. Um, we all saw it by watching his play. But you help out your, your defensive backs and your, those ability to be able to get those turnovers. And I think that's where we, you know, a lot of people want to put it on Pagano. And listen, Chuck Chuck's my guy, man. I talked to him yesterday. He, he knows, man, like, it wasn't the, the it, this wasn't the season that they hoped to be in. And 2018 is it's a that's a hard benchmark to kind of clear and be at that same level of how that defense was in 18. I, I mean, from turnovers. I mean, they, they were they were a turnover machine, and then also not even just creating turnovers. They were also turning those into points and taking them back, pick sixes, all this stuff. We knew that that wasn't going to happen in 19, and we hoped that they could get back to that in 20. So the problems that you have on the offensive side of the ball, you know, now you're starting to see the defense. A lot of these guys, man, we've got a, a list of, of phenomenal players on that defense. But another issue is they've been on the field a lot over the last two years. They played a lot of football because your offense hasn't been able to, to extend drives and put points on the board. So, which has put them back on the football field. And so, you know, people always talk about the decline of this defense, man. I saw this coming. If your offense can't do nothing, your defense is going to suffer. Try playing this game of being on the field, but uh, more than you you hope you're on the field, man. It, it it wears at you. It wears at you. Your body, I mean, injuries start happening. It just is what it is. And so interior-wise, I would focus there trying to figure out how to dominate the line of scrimmage on the offense and defensive side and kind of go from there and you got to figure out that that quarterback position but th those would be my areas of need and then you'll have to see what happens with Allen Robinson because if he's not here now you got to fill that void and and the number one receiver is hard to fill yeah I mean I also think at the same time though like you mentioned the the on the defensive side the you know attacking the quarterback and bringing pressure 
you know, Robert Quinn to me was a disappointment this this year. You you signed up to a big time contract and pairing him with Khalil Mack, you thought that was gonna be the duo that's gonna really take that defense to the next level. And both, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of derailed a little bit. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I yeah, it's just something that you have to that we, that you really have to consider moving forward. And since Pagano was the defensive coordinator, we know he's retiring. Who do you think would be the right guy to replace that and maybe get those at least that that duo back together working to fix that defense and get it back to somewhat of a level that it could have been the past, like it has been a couple of years? Jay, I have honestly, I'm be honest with you, I have no clue. I've been trying to. I haven't even studied of who could be that person for you to be able to fix that defense. I mean, it, it's it, it's 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 rough. It's tough. I names of guys I still I, I have no names and I'd I be honest with you I haven't even started to dive into who could take that spot over because I was so waiting to hear this press conference and see what the Bears were going to do you know with the two main spots at GM and head coach um, in my opinion I probably think it's going to be someone that Matt Nagy is familiar with who he has some type of relationship with because that would make sense uh, for him, I don't see him going to get somebody that's just kind of out there or I feel like he we've seen him do that, you know, bringing in guys like, you know, Bill Lazor and these guys that and D Filippo guys that he has a relationship with. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's someone that he has that history with that's going to take over that defense. But uh, it's it's got to be someone that has some type of fire and and has that respect because there are a lot of guys on that defense that you know, that have that pedigree of, of, of that, that greatness inside of them. It's going to take someone to be able to be very, very special to be able to get that out. In the, in the press conference, it was kind of, un, un, it wasn't fully aware of whether or not Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were going to get these extensions. Um, and they made it pretty much known that the QB situation isn't solidified. Um, do you really believe that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are truly the future of what the Bears need to build this team moving forward? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I, I'm kind of like every other Bears fan who's watching. And, you know, it's weird because you have to balance of covering the team and, and also being a fan. And it's, it is, it's tough on me sometimes. I, I really blo- believe from the beginning that Matt Nagy was going to be that person. And we saw it. We saw it early on. We saw it in his first year, man. He had that ability to be able to like, he had all these catchphrases. They were, this team was like, I mean, it was just 18 was different, man. And it's hard because I think about here in Chicago, it's like pretty much similar to, you know, what Joe Madden went through. Like, you remember when Joe Madden early on, like you looked at the Cubs, man, and how much fun they were having and they were taking these road trips and everything was like, it was like, you know, wearing your pajamas on the road, bringing in, bringing in zoo animals to, to the, to the park and like all these things. And then as you saw him before he, he left town, those things weren't prevalent anymore. You didn't see that stuff anymore. And it's like, how do you recreate what you did the year before, but change it with a new twist I think he's he's had a hard time because his main focus has been on the offense and trying to fix it. Now I will give him credit too. 
I don't, I don't think that he has had the quarterback to be able to do the things that he wants to do. But on the flip side as well, we've seen, I don't know if he is the offensive guru that, that how it was sold to, to us and to Bears fans, to the media, to the city of Chicago. So yeah, he's got a lot of work to do to be able to show, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have a lot of time. He doesn't have a lot of time. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's going to take a year. I do give him credit as well for, you know, figuring out after that six game losing streak and getting his team back on track and, and having them focus, even though the back end, other than the, the Packer game, I mean, it was pretty easy when you're looking at going up against some not so good defenses and you, you figure it out, but he did instead of his team folding and saying, Oh, we're done. They still had fight. And so, I'm hoping that that carries over into this next season and they can figure it out. Uh, Ryan Pace, I'm not sure, man. I don't know. I mean, I talk to Bears fans every day. They tell me the exact same thing. They love what Ryan Pace has done in later rounds of finding guys, you know, the Tariq Cohens, you know, all these other guys, Jalen Johnson, like all these guys that they love to see, but then it comes down to the one thing that they can't get out of their head. And that's that, you know, those first round picks. And that's hard. And the biggest one is the one that, you know, he, he, he put, he went all in on. And that was Trubisky. And Nagy and Pace in the press conference didn't talk about, they wouldn't dive into the whole Trubisky thing. They just, said they love the fact of how he was progressing and how he got better. But if you listen to the brass, Mr. McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they came out and said that they haven't got the position right. So I, that goes to show to me that Mitchell Trubisky won't be in a Bears uniform next season. And so both guys got a year left to try to figure this thing out. And it's going to be hard because you're going to be patchworking. I mean, you don't have the, the all the draft capital to be able to make it happen. So you're going to have to basically do and have the same recipe that you had the year before and trying to go out and get some guys to come in. And you got to hope that guys hit. And it, that doesn't always happen. So I think it's a short leash for, for both guys. And um, I mean, if they get off to a rocky start at the beginning of the season, I think anything's possible. You, you talked about how you believe that Mitch Trubisky, according to the McCaskies and how they explained it in the press conference and their tone in the press conference that, you know, Mitch Trubisky is not coming back next season. That's the case. You're stuck with Nick Foles. And <laughs> Nick Foles, we know that he can be very uh, sporadic <laughs> when yeah. it comes to his game. So do you really, if you're the Bears, do you really try to stick it out with this guy that you're paying $28 million a year for? that served as a backup just to get by you've got, I mean, you're going to have to for right now, unless we see what they do, um, you know, see how, I don't know, honestly, because of back-to-back -back eight and eight seasons and you're going to sell the owner, you know, like we can do this. There had, there had to be a conversation and they must have a plan, honestly. They must have a plan of where they're going to try to get a quarterback. 
and they sold, you know, George on what they're going to do. And he probably felt like, okay, I like that. Let's run this thing back. Because other than that, if you're picking somewhere in 20 in the first round, like I, you might, you're not getting a, you're not getting a really good quarterback. And I don't feel like they're going to be able to give up enough to be able to, to go up and get the guy that they want. So that's probably going to be in free agency or where they're going to try to address this, address this, uh, the situation, but now you're paying more money. That's more money at that position with Nick Foles. And if you go out and get somebody else regarding who's going to be, you know, free, uh, a free agent on the market or somebody that, you know, you got to figure out that. I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to make it work, but it's so much easier when you look at, you know, the NFL now, they, you're looking at these quarterbacks that have come out of college and, and starting right away. And teams are looking for you to be successful right away because it's easier to be able to maintain and do things money-wise when you got a quarterback that is on their rookie deal. So it's, it's asking a lot of these rookie quarterbacks to come in um, with veterans. You got to hope it, but still as a vet, you you're getting a vet. Like last night I was thinking Matt, a guy like Matt Ryan, right? That's not the future though, man. Like that's, that's just a stop gap. It's like, okay, we're going to try until we figure this out. No, like you got to start thinking about the future, the future of that position. And I think that's what, a lot of my friends who I talk to, that's what they want to see. And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I, Mitchell Trubisky is a great – he's a great dude, man. He really is. He's a great dude. I got nothing bad to say about him as a person. Um, I won't even go – I won't even knock his game. Um, my bad. Hold up. I won't even knock his game. But he, he got thrown into a situation that – he didn't ask for. He didn't. He didn't ask for all that. The Bears decided to do that, and you know, you also have to have the right people in place to be able to help a young man be successful. And I think when he got here early on, he didn't have that on the offensive side to be able to grow. You look at some of these other quarterbacks, guys like Mahomes, and you know, get a chance to be able to learn and take some time and have the right coaching around him to be able to. To, to, to figure him out and, and know his game. Mitch didn't have that. And so everybody wants to put the blame on Mitch. I can't put it fully on Mitch, but he knows that this, the, this run in Chicago didn't go as planned and how he had hoped. And, you know, my whole hope is if he does go somewhere else that he gets an opportunity to be able to, to have, man, people calling, people calling me, man. Everybody wants to get in. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just think he, he's got a. I hope he goes somewhere where he has an opportunity to, to really show his talents and, and learn and show everybody in Chicago that he can play the game of football because we saw flashes here in Chicago. It just, the consistency wasn't there. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Jared Payton, WGN News, sports anchor, GN Sports TV, co-host, He's the real deal. And because of that, Jared, what, what's you, obviously you're doing a lot of things going, you got a lot of things going on with, you know, GN sports and everything. What's next for you, man? Like what's next for you? Not just in that realm of that show, but 
life outside of that? Because I mean, you are a father, you're, you're a husband, you, you know, you have a life as well. So what's, what's the next steps that you're taking uh, that, you know, that, that me and my audience can look forward to? Moving um, forward? I think what everybody's looking, I don't know if everybody's looking, but I know for me, it's, uh, it's, it's ownership, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at ownership. I want, I want to own stuff. I want to own my own. I want to have a piece of the game. So for me, everything that I do now is really just trying to uh, work is work. And I love work. I love my job. WGN is, is amazing. And, you know, I feel like I could do this for a long time, uh, but I also am focused on outside and, and being a businessman. Um, me and my boys just opened up a restaurant in St. Charles uh, called Flagship on the Fox. So um, I would like to expand that, take that model, not just in the Chicago area, but take that model down the line um, after this pandemic and, and move it around the country because I think we have something special. And um, yeah, just more, more ownership. I just wanna, you know, I wanna keep investing and just keep growing, making money. So at one point in time that I can step away and just, just chill, man. Cause I got two kids. I got eight year old and a four year old and both my kids are very athletic. And I just really, honestly, what, what excites me is watching them and, and watching them grow, watching them play sports, watching them do what they do. And I just want to have that ability as I grow up and get older that I can have that freedom to uh, not have to be grinding so hard, but uh, put the work in now. So once you put the work in now, hopefully down the line, you can kind of enjoy uh, and benefit from some of the, that hard work that you put in because man, we only get, we only get one life, man. We don't, and we don't even know how long that's going to be. So you got to take advantage of every single second that you have. And so, um, you know, I just want, I just want to keep making my own and keep stacking chips. So I can say one day, I tell my wife all the time when our kids get older, man, and go to college, man, that we peacing out and we going, I'm going out west where it's warm. I'm getting I'm getting tired of this cold weather, bro. <laughs> I get tired of this cold weather, but everybody should want that though. Honestly, everybody wants ownership, you know, whether it's in their podcast, whether that's in the, you know, the job, whatever it is, all want it. You know, and if you're not striving to to own certain things, then you know, what are you doing it for? I mean, you want to be able to call the shots at some point. You want to be able to say, you know, use, you know, your thoughts and your ideas and turn that into something. And so, like, that's what I'm doing, man. Create your brand, be your brand, know your brand, expand your brand and, you know, figure out how to be able to to make your money work for you at some point. And if you can do that, well, that's that's. That's everything to me. So that's why I think I'm grinding so hard right now, not sleeping as much, but it'll all pay off in the long run. Yeah, it most, def it most definitely will. And you know, I got to support. I got to support your restaurant, man. I got to support the fam the Black-owned businesses for sure. And I know that you got, you're, you're continuing to do big things. So any way that, not just war media, but me personally, you know, if I could help come out and help support in any way, shape or form or whatever assistance that you need that you feel I can be expertise to. I want to, I really want to offer that to you. And I really want to help out in any way I can. Cause you know, we have to support each other, um, got to, especially, man. Got especially, to. especially in that black and African-American community. So I really want to support in any way, shape or form. And, yeah, and uh, with that being said, where can everybody follow you on social media? 
They can follow me at Peyton Sun, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, yeah, you'll just be seeing a lot of pictures of my kids, man, and my tweets and all that. I've kind of scaled back a little bit during the pandemic, honestly. Like, I just, man, before the pandemic, I was always just going crazy. I was tweeting all the time. I was doing all these things and, you know, Instagram stories and all that. But being in the house and, like, my routine is so different now. Like, I'm not doing the crazy things that I was doing and, like, you know, being places, going out, doing all this stuff. I'm not doing that anymore. So for me, it's like really gave me a time to reflect on, you know, just doing more things for me and stepping back a little bit and, you know, thinking a little bit more and not putting everything out there in the Twitter sphere or, and it's actually been, man, it's been just very refreshing. I'm gonna be honest with you, but, you know, I find my times where I get my Twitter fingers going, man, and I get back at it and I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I got to do. But I just hope my biggest thing right now is just staying safe, man. Just staying safe. So everybody who's listening, make sure you do all the things that you need to do to protect yourself, wear your mask, social distance, because speaking from somebody that, you know, had COVID in December, it is no joke. You do not want this. Uh, I'm still dealing with like respiratory issues and I didn't even really have them during, um, you know, my 14 days of quarantine. I didn't even like, I didn't even have anything and I'm dealing with it now. So, and I'm, and I'm super in shape. I'm in better shape than I was when I was playing football. So just to know that a healthy person like myself, a former athlete takes care of itself, that this thing can hit you like that, dude, it can hit anybody. So just make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to protect yourself, the people around you and just wear your mask, man. It's real simple. That's real. That, that, that's, if I can say anything on this podcast, that is the one thing I think is the most important and take care of yourself, take care of the people that are around you. No, that's real. That, that's that's real. I'm glad you're doing better and you're, you know, t- continuing to take care of yourself as, as you are surviving COVID as well, man. That's that's a really big deal. And everyone listening right now, you can also follow me on social media at Josh M. Hicks Media on both Instagram and Twitter. Yes, I changed the Twitter and Instagram handles. I got to improve the brand and be more me and more adult like nowadays. So therefore, <laughs> I had to change the Twitter and the Instagram handles. So every, you can follow me at all one platform, all one name, Josh M. Hicks Media. Jared, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. I know you're a busy guy, but to hear your expertise was very well needed. And for our audience, I know they enjoyed it as well. I can't wait to continue to connect, continue, you know, keep in touch and connect with you. And of course, support your other endeavors that you got going on, man. It's re- you're doing really big things. And like I said, any way I can help out, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll love to help out in any way, shape or form. And you gotta get me back on GN TV Sports, man. You gotta get me back All on right, GN. Yeah, we, we got, for sure, we gotta get you line. on there, bro. Yeah, but for sure, man, we'll make it happen. Um, that being said, man, thank you. You have a, you continue to have a good rest of your day and everyone listening right now, do not go anywhere because Josh Friedman will be coming up next to talk more in-depth analysis about the bears as well as this new upcoming, uh, core with the bulls. This new direction is very interesting so far, but to get, we'll get his expertise on the bulls and uh, moving forward as they start this new upcoming season. So don't, don't miss out. Don't go anywhere.
to the end, the Scope Podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. Earlier, we had the great Jared Payton, JP, on the show talking about bears, but he, he does have a coworker that's pretty cool people from what I know. And he and and just to say he has his expertise as well. And this guy is one of the one of the greatest, one of the greatest people for me, just because he really helped me in, in starting my and starting not just the uh, the in, my podcast per se. But being on it on when CLTV was around Sports Feed, which I miss so dearly, uh, CLTV was such a great platform. But even what even with what he's doing with that, being the sports reporter and sports anchor for GN, and even being one of the co-hosts for GN's new show, GN Sports TV, he's doing big things in industry and and also has been a great friend and mentor in the industry for me as well. Um, I currently have on the show a great friend, Josh Friedman. You know, as Josh has got to stick together, right? So, uh, hey, you know, Josh's man, <laughs> one for all, all for one. Um, exactly. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. Hey, thanks for the introduction. Really kind words. And I got to follow up JP. So uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you know, I, I get to see him most of the time at work. So, um, but yeah, we, we do miss CLTV. I'll echo that statement. It's been uh, a little over a year now since, unfortunately, the uh, the network folded and uh, so did Sportsfeed. But we had a good four and a half year run, I know. Uh, you and uh, the Regal Radio guys, uh, Dean Davis, and, and so many others have been a huge supporters of ours. And we got to have you guys on the show a bunch. So um, it was a lot of fun while it lasted. But, uh, you know, uh, we all move forward and, uh, yeah, doing some great stuff with WGN. So everything's good. Yeah, most definitely, man. And I'm obviously glad and thankful for you to come on my podcast and on my show. It was long overdue. Yeah. And I'm glad to be able to make that, make that happen. So let's just jump right on in because – I, like I told Jared, man, these bears, yo, I, I don't know. You got to help explain this to me because you have Ted and Ted Phillips, McCaskies, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, all pretty much coming out here giving all types of random statements that, quite frankly, don't flow together. Um, it doesn't make sense. They're all coming back. Like, explain to me what was it like because i i assume you were you listened and was part of that press conference correct? oh yeah i had to listen to all i think it was 87 minutes in all <laughs> and um you know josh we've heard some really rough press conferences over the years in chicago sports of course you know some gar pack uh, gar packs classics and um you know name your team right but this is going to go down as one of the worst ones for sure just because it was so filled with non-substantive BS. It was just like, you know what? Yeah, we're not good enough. Yeah, we don't have the quarterback. We like each other. It's good enough for us. And, you know, Ryan Pace said six years here, but we still want to learn more about him. And it's like, what have you been doing the last couple of years? What have you been doing this season? Because if you're really evaluating from an objective perspective, and obviously it's not objective because even George McCaskey said, look, he reports to the board of directors and to, you know, the people that he, he's the chairman. Of course, like he's not going to get a realistic uh, impression of the team based on people that are close to him and don't want to probably upset him. And yes, he said he, he got help from, or got advice from other owners like Michael Bidwell of the Cardinals and the Rooney and the Morrow family. What are other owners going to tell him uh, again, objectively about the team? They're probably like, yeah, Trubisky, he's good. Keep him. Yeah. Nike, you know, you guys are doing great. You know, it's like, come on. So the whole process was flawed and, and look, I'm not surprised they kept Matt Nagy. I'm a little more surprised they kept Ryan Pace, but not shocked. 
I am most disappointed they didn't bring in or say they're going to bring in a president of football operations because Ted Phillips has been here for 21 years. And yes, they say he is on the business side. And, and George tried to say yesterday, look, he doesn't meddle in the football operations, but you don't have anybody that oversees Ryan. And even if you like Ryan as a guy and you've liked some of his uh, recent draft picks, they, they pointed out Darnell Mooney. Yeah, great. Good find. But what about Anthony Miller? Where's he been? Obviously, the quarterback position hasn't worked out. So you have as many, if not more, misses than hits. And so if you're trying to justify bringing Ryan Pace back, maybe it's the contract, maybe it's the money too. But look, get somebody else in here for another perspective that you're actually putting on payroll and have as an, an overseer for Ryan Pace that can push Ted Phillips aside even more to make sure that you are running the best football program you can. Very well said, because I mean, at the, it just, it, especially with Mitch, like that was such a debacle. I mean, at the end of the day, Mitch just was not the guy. And even at the draft, the, 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 the functions that we took to get him, like we literally traded up one spot. Like, were we that afraid that someone was going to jump the gun to get this guy? <laughs> um, <laughs> you yeah. know, like some of these moves with Ryan Pace that he's done, you, 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 you definitely can't go against what he's done later in the draft with drafting guys like Darnell Mooney and uh, Tariq Cohen, Jalen Johnson. Eddie, Eddie Jackson, guys. who fell off this year. But, yeah, he's found some good late picks. You're right. Yeah, especially, especially in the late picks. But those first-rounders are killers. And on top of that, I mean, he did build the defensive side. He, he did bring in Khalil Mack. He did bring in Robert Quinn. But especially as this year, those guys underperformed. And this was an underperforming season. So – if you're the Bears, if you're in this front office, obviously we know QB, total miss. But what do you do to fit the specific needs? Like, which need would you go for first? Well, it's, it's got to be quarterback, Josh. And here's the issue that I have, too. You are now entrusting Ryan Pace to pick a fourth quarterback, really fifth if you want to go, because you could say Mike Lennon, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniels, really want to say you paid, you know, what, $9 million or so as a backup. And then Nick Foles. So you've paid for two to be backups, fine, but really not because you kind of paid uh, Nick Foles to be a starter, even though he didn't start the season that way. So you really missed on three potential guys you th thought could be a starter. Mike Lennon, whether or not you realistically thought that guy could be an NFL starter, you acted like it, you paid him like it. And, you know, whether it was this big smoke screen so people wouldn't know that you were going after Trubisky, that was still a blow to your resume. And, um, it didn't work out. So what gives anyone faith that Ryan Pace can pick a quarterback that works out? What he was saying yesterday was the collaboration with Matt Nagy, right? The relationship together, the two minds working together, because that wasn't the case when they drafted Mitch Trubisky. Fine, I get that. But it was the case last year when they went out and they signed Nick Foles, who, from all intents and purposes, was a naggy guy. They worked together before he fit the system, and that blew up in their face, even more so because he's on the hook for, I think, 20-plus million dollars next year. So, so Nick Foles is going to be on the roster. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to be on the roster. From everything they said yesterday, it seems like they're going to move on, and, and I think that's the right decision. I like Mitch as a guy. I think he has shown in spurts he could be a capable quarterback. He's more on the Marcus Mariota side of things, though, where you're a top three, top two pick that doesn't pan out in your initial city, and maybe you go get a backup job, get a few looks, and, and who knows, you have a, a pretty decent long career as a mix of a backup and a spot starter. 
maybe he turns out to be Ryan Tannehill. That's the best case scenario. And that'd be the worst case for, for bears fans or Alex Smith, right? You've seen these comparisons, but those guys had to move on from their initial franchise. Work on their success later in their career. Ryan Tannehill obviously um, brought the team to the AFC championship game last year. Alex Smith won a division this year with Washington had success in Kansas city before they brought him home. So it can work out for Mitch Trubisky. I just don't think it's here in Chicago anymore. And, and then you look at Josh, the options at quarterback you're drafting 20th. Okay. Is Mac Jones going to be there? Is Trey Lance, somebody in the draft going to fall down? Maybe, maybe not. Do you again, trade draft capital to move up a couple spots to get your guy? We've seen Ryan Pace has been aggressive. He will do that, but that's also set the bears back so many years because they've only had five or six draft picks in some drafts. You traded up to get David Montgomery. You traded up to get Anthony Miller, obviously Mitch Trubisky. So eventually that'll bite you in the butt because now the defense is getting older and you are Lacking playmakers. Allen Robinson needs to be re-signed this year. Um, you have a lot of question marks still on the offensive line as much as it did improve down the stretch. So um, it's not just the quarterback position, but obviously you got to solve that. And I don't have a lot of faith they can. Well, we know that obviously aside from the offensive, all the offensive struggles and for the, for the love of God, me trying to understand why they didn't uh, extend Allen Robinson when they had the chance. That that still will blow, blows my mind. But you got the you got the defense that's you know get, like you said it's getting older it's not as um, up to par as it used to be and you got Chuck Pagano that just stepped away to retire so who do you think could be that guy to step in at least on the defensive side to really bring this defense back to what it was back when it was on par in 2018. I don't know if it's going to get back there, Josh. To be honest, that was such a special season. It was the first year the Mac came in. The hype the enthusiasm, the playmaking. You remember those years? Like they were they were choreographing their touchdown celebrations, their takeaway celebrations. I was in that locker room every week. It was so much fun because those guys obviously were winning. It helped, but it was this upstart young team. They had so much confidence bordering on cockiness and that was okay. It's okay to have in the NFL. That has not happened the last two years. And I think the number one thing to me is that that team, and you kind of knew it was going to come, had so much takeover or takeaway regression baked in they had 36 takeaways in 2018 they had 18 this year they cut it in half last year they had 19 so in one year basically they had almost as many as the last two years combined in takeaways think about that you're just not going to be as good of a defense even if you have the skill position players if you're not being um opportunistic with the takeaways the sacks you're not putting enough pressure on the quarterbacks and we see what the good quarterbacks do to this team Aaron Rodgers licks them apart aside from Deshaun Watson who obviously is on a terrible team himself. The Bears really didn't do too well against really good quarterbacks. Drew Brees in the playoffs, obviously, too, um, had his way. Um, it didn't didn't need to go deep or anything. It was nickel and diming them to death with, you know, Deontay Harris. Come on, cover the guy. Michael Thomas being back. So, so yeah, you know, you look at the defense. Who are the guys you really feel like can still build around? You know, Roquan Smith, to me, he's your number one guy. He's, he's such a stud. You know, Khalil is still playing at a high level, but the numbers haven't been – what you would expect and want from his contracts. You got to think about what, what you mean, you know, what he means to the franchise now um, in the latter half of his career, Akeem Hicks getting older, still really good getting older. The Robert Quinn complete bust Leonard Floyd. Look what he did with the Rams this year. So that was uh, something that blew up in the bears face. Kyle Fuller, still a pro bowl level player. Eddie Jackson, where has his, his production been watching him play too. It's so different. He's, he's trying to make these huge hits and he's missing tackles. Maybe, you know, maybe quarterbacks and offenses are scheming away from him more, but to have no interceptions this year, I know he had a couple that were um, you know, taken away because of flags. 
still, that was really disappointing to me. The guy who you're paying is one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. So um, Trevathan, another guy who has aged, it's gotten, it's gotten bad kind of quick. And, and as far as who's going to take over this job, I think they probably promote from within Jay Rogers is a, t- a candidate defensive line coach, maybe um, Ted Monachino, the uh, outside linebacker coach, because, you know, hearing from beat writers and kind of sensing the, the whole vibe around this team, what defensive coordinator from outside the organization is going to take this job knowing it could be a one and done because Nagy and Pace, they are obviously on thin ice. We know that. And so unless they win next year, it's probably going to be a cleaning house. So defensive coordinators got to think, look, is this a long-term opportunity? Maybe not. So a young upstart guy from outside the organization is probably going to say, mm, I'm going to go elsewhere, take another job, even though there is talent on this defense. Yeah, very good. Those are all very good points. But at the same time, um, the mediocrity, that's what, that's what kills me with this team is the mediocrity. And you have to wonder who's going to fill these roles effectively, especially, especially with this offseason being so unsure. Um, they, they, they made it seem like that Mitch isn't coming back. And since Mitch isn't coming back, you don't have your full faith in Nick Foles because even Nick Foles started hot, he derailed real quick. <laughs> and who do you, who would you replace as the QB? And when I talked to JP about this, he pretty, I asked him about the idea of does the, do the Bears go literally all in and do everything that they can to get an unhappy Deshaun Watson from Houston right now? Do they actually go after a young guy like that who has the capabilities of a championship quarterback, especially since he has it? Do they fix those? Do they fix those, you know, those, those amends? Do they make amends on those rights and wrongs and try to get it right and bring in a guy that they should have drafted to basically read the franchise and redirect this thing <laughs> to another level? Like, do they pull that type of trigger or do they just try to see what they can? get in the free agency market bearing the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, this draft isn't that predictable to a point where you can get a quarterback like Matt Jones or Trevor or Trey Lance in the latter part of that first round. Look, if Deshaun Watson is at all available, you have to make a call at least. I mean, it's malpractice even to, to say we're not going to pursue it. I think every team in the league, even the ones that have great quarterbacks are thinking, well, if Sean Watson's available. We have to see, you know, at least, at least make the call, see what the price is. That being said, that is a long shot beyond long shots. I do not think the Texans are going to trade away with a new GM, even if he's unhappy, trade away their franchise quarterback. And let's say they do. The asking price is going to be James Harden-esque. You know, it's a, it's compared to an NBA trade we saw last night. Four first-round picks? Probably. We saw two for Khalil Mack. So four first-round picks plus a quarterback they need as a filler, plus maybe another talent or other picks. You know, it's going to be the biggest haul we've ever seen. The, I again, I I think that is a pipe dream Bears fans can you know dream about, but never really take seriously because I just I doubt that would ever happen. So well, let's talk about realistic options. The draft. And I think maybe, you know, JP said this so many years and I agree with him. I don't know if he said this on the podcast with you, Josh, but the fact the Bears have not drafted a quarterback outside of Trubisky since Pace has been here is again, it is just terrible management. Look at the Packers did. They drafted a quarterback in the first round this year and Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. All right. They're always thinking two steps ahead. Great organizations are always thinking about that. They draft quarterbacks in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, even when they have one, because you don't know when that diamond in the rough is going to appear. You need someone to 
just have at the ready to mold and to build. That's not a veteran quarterback. That's not Tyler Bray for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's crazy that that's the guy they've had. And if it's because the relationships that he has with the coaches and with Trubisky, that means your coaches aren't good enough. If you need another quarterback on staff to be that third, fourth, fifth coach. So I, if you really think this roster has a chance to win now still, and I am very doubtful of that. If you change a quarterback and you think that's the only thing missing, I would explore a trade for maybe Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford. If the lions were to do so in the division. And I, and I would probably think that is a little bit of a, less likely outcome but Matt Ryan he is not a top 10 guy in my mind anymore but obviously a guy who's taken a team to a quarterback won an MVP still can throw the ball still can make plays maybe he needs a change of scenery the Falcons are a bottom four team if they say we're going to trade him away draft a quarterback what's the asking price I don't know and do the Bears want to take on that money as well they're already pretty up against the cap they need to move things around but if you get a proven pro bowl level quarterback and you slide him in and you actually give Matt Nagy something to work with, I can see that. I can buy that in. You know, Dak Prescott, again, is, is probably the, the guy who I don't think is realistic because I don't think the Cowboys are trading him, but you make that call. You see what veteran you can win with, and you still draft a quarterback. You still get a guy, maybe it's not the first pick because you still need offensive linemen. You still need playmakers on both sides of the ball, but you still draft a quarterback in the middle rounds, and you get someone for the long term. But um, if you really think this roster can win, I would explore the veteran quarterbacks on the market who – maybe one out and maybe um, will be an option via trade. So that to me, because the free agent market's not great again. And, and like you said, the draft, you know, who, who knows what that'll um, what those guys in the, in the 20th pick range will be uh, be like, even if those guys fall, the likelihood of success is still pretty slim for quarterbacks later than the top 10 in the NFL. So I want to I, I want to harp on this just for a little bit because you met you definitely mentioned this guy, and I don't and that situation that he's dealing with is really up in the air with Dak Prescott, Cowboys, you know they franchised him this past year. He coming off a brutal, you know, ankle injury to where he had to get surgery, and now Jerry Jones has come out and said, you know, yeah, he has all the leverage, but at the same time, I'm still signing the checks. So. Is he going to get the money that he's asking for? I don't know. That situation is really is a unique situation for Dak. You tell it, you, you put it out there that you really think the Bears should really make a call for Dak? Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they have to, you know, knowing that it's at least a possibility. And, I, and again, I think Jerry Jones is, is trading away his franchise quarterback. He, he paid Amari Cooper. He paid Ezekiel Elliott. If you don't pay your quarterback, what are you doing, man? Come on. So, um, again, similar to Sean Watson, you make the call, but – those two to me would be the the longer shots for sure. Um, and I think the more realistic options for veterans that you can maybe trade for the guys I mentioned, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is uh, you know, uh, he's so, so much fun to watch. He's, he's not a guy that is in the same realm, but look, when he's in games, he, he plays well and he wins. So if you, if you want a, a placeholder, um, maybe he's a guy you bring in. Um, but I would be more interested in, in seeing what, what the asking price is for these veteran quarterbacks on bad teams that uh, maybe you can get for a couple years here and you're, you're going to pay. But um, if you still believe you were in a win now mode and you need to see if uh, the quarterback's the missing ingredients and the rest of the roster can still win here, then then that's, that's worth exploring. All right. We'll see, man. Cause that's, that's, that's a pretty sketchy thing when you're talking about certain quarterbacks like that. We'll see. We'll see. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to WGN sports 
anchor, sports reporter, co-host of the GNTV Sports Show, Josh Friedman. Josh, let's transition to some Bulls, man, because the Bulls, you know, I think the last time we talked Bulls, at least on the show with you, was the god-awful Jim Boylan era. <laughs> and let's now, not go back there, Josh. Come on. Right. <laughs> better times ahead. We've moved on. Right. And we have moved on with our um, our tourist, Carnisa Vest. We moved on with Mark Eversley and the new front office management. We actually got a legit coach now in Billy Donovan. And the, I'm as you know, as someone that's you know that you know covers the Bulls and NBA, I'm I'm impressed with the Bulls so far. Not obviously losing, we expected that they're a young team. They got a long new system. They got a long ways to go to develop. But you see growth over time from game to game. We see how Zach Levine has continued to take that next step as being, even though I do believe he's still like a sidekick option in the offense. He's still he's taken up to that number one option under Billy Donovan pretty you know pretty well so far. Kobe White is developing in a point guard as more of a point guard per se than just a scoring guard. Um, the addition of Patrick Williams to the draft shocked a lot of people, but dudes is, is showing very positive signs and a high ceiling. What do you think of this Bulls makeup so far as we start as they as we as they played you know the first few games of the season? Yeah, I agree. I've been you know pleasantly surprised, but I think the difference between the Billy Donovan not only the you know, just the, the products we're seeing, but just the, the culture and the way the team is run, the way that other teams and other people around the league are taking the Bulls seriously for once. That to me is the biggest difference because it was always kind of deemed as a joke when, when Jim Boylan was here. And these were the laughables, really. That's what it was. Now you brought an established coach who has an earned reputation from Oklahoma City from his time at Florida. And you brought in established people to run the show in AK and obviously, as you mentioned, it's just changed the perception around the Bulls, both in the city, outside the city, in the organization, outside the organization. And that's done wonders. And it's going to take time. It doesn't mean the Bulls are going to make the playoffs this year. I think that was always far-fetched because this is still a team that is learning all about itself. And the thing you want to see is who on this roster is a guy you can think is going to be on the next winning Bulls team. And to me, the three guys you look at right now, and there are some other pieces, but Kobe White, you look at Patrick Williams and you look at Zach Levine, because I don't know if he's a part of this future or not, because he is the guy who you have to, you have to ask yourself, right? He's, he's top five in the league in scoring. He's your go-to guy. But the team is still not winning and he has never won in this league. And that's not always been his fault, but is he a guy who you feel like is part of this core or do you trade him to a contender and you get a haul and you get multiple draft picks and young players back to build around the other core players. Because let's remember, Kobe's 20. Patrick Williams is 19. These guys are going to be around for a long time. Zach's not old, but he's seven years old than this guy, six years old than this guy. So um, you have to decide if you're the front office here who didn't, you know, didn't pick any of these guys besides Patrick. They inherited the rest of this roster. Who are the guys you feel like can actually build into a winning team? And, and, and Zach still, I love, I love Zach. He's a fun player to watch. Great guy to talk to. He's not the most complete player in the NBA, right? He tries hard on defense. It's just not always going to be his forte. He is the guy you want with the ball in your hands at the end of the game. He's not always come up clutch at the end of the game, but he he, ha- he has had a lot of opportunities where he's made those those winning shots at the end of the game. But you know, a little bit more consistency out of that. 
how to match with some of these other guys before. So these are things you want to watch for the next couple of, of months of Bulls basketball. But the trade deadline, if some team's going to say, hey, Zach Levine's our missing piece because he can offer 25 points for us and we're a, we're a team that we think can, can make that jump, you have to listen. You have to listen because Zach's on the third of his four-year contract. He's on a very team um, – appropriate deal um very team friendly with uh the contract he signed which a lot of fans were skeptical of a couple of years ago that deal looks great now four for 80 i mean he is vastly underpaid for his production so um i think I, you got to explore that but as far as the way he has worked on the floor looked good with kobe those two are a lot of fun right now and pat williams man look you're saying hey kid you're 19 this is your first couple of weeks in the nba go guard Giannis. go guard lebron go guard Kawhi. It's trial by fire, and I love it because you have to get this kid ready to um, to be a potential where you see uh, the potential in him, which is a star defensive player who can grow offensively. That's That shot already looks smooth. It looks natural. He looks like he belongs. So the early returns are really good for him. Yeah, there's been recent comparisons for Patrick Williams as far as they were comparing him to Kawhi. Uh, no, let's, not go, let's not go there yet. Like, you know, I, I, I get it. Like He's got the – He's got the physical makeup. He's got the the hands and the the arm length. But you know, Kawhi is a top five player in the NBA, and we don't want to put those expectations on a kid, right? But it's it's cool that at least some people are saying, you know, hey, he's he's got a little baby Kawhi in him. Yeah, that 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 is true, and I like how I think the biggest thing for me that I'm really going to pay attention to the most, aside from obviously what the Bulls are going to do with Larry Marketing because he was supposed to, he asked for an extension. Didn't happen. So you got to figure out what they're going to do with him and figure out the development between um, him, Wendell Carter Jr. and how that front court looks like. But for me personally, I'm really, I want to see the development of Kobe White as a point guard. And I think the addition, I think having Mo Cheeks on your bench as the assistant coach, who's a Chicago guy, who's played the position, coached numerous point guards and all-star point level point guards as well. To have that experience and that rep and that repertoire on your bench, obviously Billy Donovan was a point guard as well, and has coached great point guards. But having someone at, and but having someone like Mo Cheeks was very well respected in the league to coach Kobe White and show him the ropes as far as how to be that find how to find that balance of being a scoring point guard as well as a facilitator and a playmaker. I think that's going to be a really big key that's going to help really take Kobe White's game to the next level, especially as if the, as the Bulls are looking to him as one of the core foundational players of this team of this team moving forward yeah I agree with you and I mean what do you think about Kobe as a true point guard do you feel like you need to bring in a, a better facilitator and have Kobe kind of be like a Ben Gordon type of um, you know weapon off the bench even or uh, a guy who just can fill up buckets but he's not going to be that true point guard he, he in the west coast trip he had what six assists a game he had a couple uh, double digit assist games so he's clearly a, a talented passer but it's not there consistently I don't, I'm curious what you think about that I, I think he is going to be the point guard that could get you 20 a game and average around six assists, six, maybe seven, if that. I mean, because I don't think he's a, I really don't think he's a legit true point guard. You, you mean you talk about point guards, you're talking about the Chris Pauls, you're talking about, um, you know, those type of point guards where, although he does have a connection to Chris Paul, um, those type of point guards that can actually score the ball, but really actually run an offense. I don't think Kobe White's someone that can run an offense per se consistently, but he can get you buckets. And as long as he can get you at least maybe five, six assists a game, I think you're going to be great. 
I think it would be good for the Bulls. They just got to bring in someone that can continue to, you know, move the ball around or someone that's compatible with his offensive skill set, especially if you're talking about someone where Zach Levine may or may be off, may, he may be, or he may not be off the scene. Yeah. And, you know, Kobe right now in his young career, he's very streaky. You know, he hits the ball and some can't miss. And you're like, get Kobe the ball wherever you can. And he's, you know, he's knocking down three, four, five shots in a row, you know, from three mid range, he's getting to the rack. That's fun to watch, but other times it's just not falling for him. Okay, how can you how can you impact the game when that's happening, right? That's the that's the growth for this young kid. How can he, whether it's facilitating, whether it's crashing the boards, because you know he can rebound pretty well as well. He's 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 got some length too. So um, how can you find ways when your shot's not falling to impact the game? And so that's I'm sure Donovan is is hammering that home. Mo Cheeks, it's a good point. To just you know these veteran guys on the bench that are helping him as well from a coaching perspective. Yeah, and I also like, and I actually like uh, the tra- the transition of Otto Porter. Obviously, Otto Porter can't stay healthy to save his life, but when he is healthy, the fact that they moved him towards the bench to give Patrick Williams that starting position, I thought was actually really big because the Bulls never ha- they don't have a bench. They lack production from the bench, um, and the fact that Otto Porter can come off the bench give you some scoring and some and some um, some a level of comfort in that second unit. I think that plays a huge role in, in the progression of how you're trying to move this team moving forward and what you need to look for moving forward. Obviously he's on a last bit of his deal. It's not a guarantee he's even going to be here past the trade deadline. Um, but it's, it, it gives that flexibility on the, uh, at least on your second unit to help give opportunities like Patrick Williams time to shine and to really grow in, in the, in the big stages. Yeah. You know, I've always been a big fan of Otto Porter going back to, his high school days really. So he, he grew up in uh, Southeast Missouri where I used to work. So um, we didn't overlap, but he came back a few times and got to interview him. They dedicated the high school gym to him. So just kind of a cool connection that I've always just you know watched his career, Georgetown, the wizards, and, you know, obviously with the bulls it hasn't panned out. The injuries are a big reason why, because you can see he had that, you know, that game in Washington right early in the year. I think it was the, the wizards game where he had like 27, points 30 points like he he can fill up again he's he's a good scorer always been a good shooter but he can't stay healthy and that's been the biggest rap on Otto, unfortunately so yeah this is probably his last year uh, of that inflated contract but again you want that money off the books going forward to start building this team so um that's that's obviously why this is about the future you start patrick williams here because you want to see again throw the kid into the fire what can you do and the fact he looks so comfortable and he is so receptive talking to him receptive about the learning experience and he is you know hey what are you what are you learning from from guarding Giannis and he's going into detail about it how you got to use your hands you can't use your body his, his chest is on fire after guarding him this stuff is, is so important to the development of, of a 19 year old as we said the second youngest player in the NBA right now so um yeah I'm all for it and, and look for a kid who never even started at Florida State and that was kind of one of the things that people were skeptical of hey how are we taking a kid in the top four who hasn't even started a game it's, it's not about that. We know it's not about if you start in college, because again, he was super young at Florida state too. They had a really talented team and he was playing the minutes. It wasn't like he was playing 15 minutes a game. He was still playing starters minutes and closing the game. So just because he played a sixth man role in college doesn't mean he can't grow into being more than that in the pros. And we're starting to see that. Yep. Uh, Florida state uh, head coach, uh, Leonard Hamilton, legendary hall of, who's pretty much bound in the hall of fame. If he's not in it already, he, he made that clear. He said that, you know, this guy, even though he wasn't a, my starter, 
I had him at the end of the games. He played the minutes. He, he closed out the deal because of what he brings to the table. And like you mentioned, for us to see that right now and to see glimpses of that, especially in big-time moments against the big-time superstars, it's, it, he's slowly but surely taking notice around the league. And players like LeBron James have come and, you know, Kawhi have made it known that, yeah, this, this is a young guy that the Bulls really, in a way, got right. So with that being said, sticking on Patrick Williams, do you see him maybe making I, – I, obviously, I don't believe he's going to win it, but do you really see him making – the push for at least putting his name in the hat in the ring for maybe rookie of the year, because this rookie class outside of Anthony, like I said, out of the top three, that draft was kind of, it's it's a hit or miss. And, you know, these, and even with the top three right now, there's some great, great talent that's out there. That's, that's showing out, especially with Melo Ball. I think he's doing great things with the Hornets right now, but it's kind of uncertain. It's kind of more of like a level playing field when it comes to evaluating rookies at this present moment. Do you think he could potentially put some, put some heat in the fire with it and, you know, so believe that, you know, he could be part, a candidate for that award? No, <laughs> to be honest, you know, and it, it's a couple of reasons why he's, he's not going to be a guy that has these gaudy numbers, just not, it's not the role that have him playing. Maybe he averages, um, you know, around 10, 12 points a game. And, um, you know, the, the rebound numbers will be pretty good. And the def- defensive numbers will be pretty good, but you're going to see guys with better numbers and probably on better teams too. Um, I think a guy who's really impressed has been Tyrese Halliburton of the Kings and the Kings look pretty good as a team. They're competitive. They can compete for maybe a, a spot in the playoffs as opposed to the Bulls. So that's a guy who was drawing a lot of praise and rightfully so when the Bulls played him, he looked like one of the best players on the court. And you're thinking, look, you're, you're happy with Patrick Williams, but man, that kid slipped down and, and he, Think about like what he would mean to this backcourt if you had him as a playmaker. So um, James Wiseman has looked good um, with the Warriors, who again could be a playoff team. So uh, Lamelo, as you mentioned, he's, he's already got a triple double under his belt. Um, can't shoot, but he's he's playing uh, lights out as far as uh, the impact he's having on the game. Um, Anthony Edwards again on a bad team, but he looks like uh, he's going to be a really good player. So I don't know this this rookie class. I think has, has turned out to be a little bit better than people thought. I think Patrick Williams can be one of the top five or 10 guys in that class, but I think it's a little too, too much to say he's going to be the rookie of the year, just because I don't think, again, he's going to have that flashy production numbers and it's not going to be on a team that really, I think exceeds expect, excuse me, exceeds expectations. And that's not always, you know, the case you need for a rookie because they're on a bad team to begin with most of the time when you're taking in the top, but um, a guy who's helping his team grow and, and putting up good numbers um, like the guys I, I mentioned, I think are probably your, your more realistic candidates at this point. And just because, you know, when rookie of the year doesn't mean you're you're not going to be a good player. So let's not get caught up in just the awards, right? Yeah, that that's true. And I think another player we have to add in that mix well is also Tyrese Maxey with the with the Sixers. I think him playing with Ben Simmons in that role is gonna is gonna really help take things to the next level under that under that current administration. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Josh Friedman. Um, Josh, let's transition more. We talked a lot about the backcourt. Let's transition more to the front court because you know what you know. There's a so a lot of things you have to resolve down there. You have to resolve the Laurie marketing situation. You got to resolve uh, Wendell Carter and figure out what is his best, you know, roles and skill sets in the league for him to really thrive within this Bulls system. You, you, you do have Thad Young, who's been in and out with injuries. And you have a, a, a rising young guy who showed even glimpses last year of, you know, great production in Daniel Gafford. Um, where does, where do you, how do you think, this Bulls front court could shape up under this Billy Donovan system. 
Sorry about the music there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to look up Wendell's numbers from three because um, obviously we saw we saw what he wanted to do during the preseason. And it was like, okay, you know, you're expanding the skill set, and I like it. Um, but that, that's not that's not really his game. And, and, and look, he's 21 again, a kid, uh, relatively. You know, when it comes to the the NBA, and and he's got plenty of room to grow. And and that was really disappointing the way Jim Boylan used Wendell Carter because. At Duke, he was a guy who could play off the, you know, play out of the high post, play out of the low post. He was a good passer. He had a shot. He was not used that way with Jim Boylan. And so um, I, I like that Billy Dynam and his staff are kind of experimenting a little bit. And, you know, uh, will he ever develop a consistent three-pointer? Probably not. But, um, you know, at this point in his career, at this point in the Bulls' developmental stage, you want to see what it is. So, um, you know, there's a lot of room to grow for Wendell. Uh, with Laurie, it's interesting because – you know, he, he's already gone through a lot this season. The fact that he's had to quarantine for, for almost two full weeks. And I don't know if you heard that story about um, him and Archie Diakono and um, I believe it was Sadoransky. They had to drive back. They had a driver take them in a van 12 hours from D.C. once they uh, were close contacts to Chandler Hutchinson, who tested positive. And they had to basically take an overnight trip back to Chicago. And they're all in the backseat together. And they had a partition with the driver and they, you know, they had like one stop along the way. Otherwise it was a, it was a straight trip back to Chicago. And then they had to immediately just go quarantine. And, and Archie Diakono said the other day, look, I was, I was around Hutchinson who tested positive. I was around Sadoransky who later tested positive. It was like, I was expecting to test positive. So you have that anxiety and you can't really get out of your bedroom. And he was like, I'm in a two bedroom apartment. You know, I can't really work out aside from just like doing like, jail prison type workouts because you're just in a confined area so you have that weighing on these guys mentally and physically it's got to be really difficult so how does Laurie Markin especially respond to that situation because you know he's already had this chip on his shoulder because he comes in without getting the extension I think the Bulls are probably smart to do that you know you can say hey it's a Jimmy Butler situation 2.0 if Laurie balls out and you have to pay the guy I I don't think Mark's point is, is headed toward that trajectory maybe prove us wrong but Nothing over the first three, year, three years of his career said you have to pay that guy an extension worth 15 to $20 million. And obviously they, the two camps talked and they couldn't get a deal done. So it tells you right there that the market, it feels like he's, he's worthy of, of something that the Bulls don't see yet. And, and I think that's fair. And again, this new regime comes in with wide open eyes and they're not making any assumptions about these players. And they say, hey, you got to prove it and we want to see what you can do. So um, I like that tactic of, of putting it on marketing this year to say, all right, if you want that contract with us, let's see what you can do this year with our system and our coach. And so um, a lot is on his shoulders. And I want to see how he plays coming back from this long layoff. And um, and yeah, I mean, look, he's got talent. We've seen it. He can, he can get hot on the court. Three-point shooting needs to be more consistent. Um, can he have more of a game? They, they raved about his ability to put the ball on the floor and um, you know pass the ball around, You know, be a guy who can move off the ball more. That was something that he talked about this off season in Donovan's system. Uh, just being able to, to, to be active when you don't have the ball, what can you do? And so let's, let's see that more on the floor this year. And, and again, you have a guy in Zach Levine and Kobe White who need the ball in their hands a lot, who score is marketing that third guy for you. How does he fit into that system? Because let's see these, that's been the problem the past couple of years, marketing Levine, they haven't been on the floor as much together. And as a whole, this group, all the young players, they haven't been on the floor together. So um, 
it stinks, injuries, illnesses, it, they happen. But um, if we're really going to get a true look at what this Bulls core can do for an extended period of time, we have to see it together. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's very true. And with that being said, then, I know you said, obviously, you don't believe the Bulls going to make the playoffs. I don't either. But this could be a unique year just because of the fact that, you know, what's Washington, what's going on in Washington right now is, uh, you know, that's really up in the air. Um, and the fact that they expanded the playoff to where, you know, you got to play in. Do you think the Bulls, if they continue to progress and develop, maybe get that last spot in the play-in to where they could potentially play in, even though I don't believe they'll get in the actual playoffs? But that, that could potentially be a realistic situation where they can at least get to a play-in. You think they can do that? I think it's a possibility. I think, you know, they've shown they can compete against some good teams. You know, you would have loved for them to steal one against one of the LA teams over the weekend, um, especially without Anthony Davis and the Lakers, you know, having that opportunity. And, and they played them well. And you, that's kind of the point of what you want to ask for right now. But look, the, the Bulls team right now, four and seven. You have the Hawks, the eighth seed. They're five and five. So obviously – you're right in the thick of things, but this is kind of what we talked ourselves into last year, right? Where you were always hanging around a weak Eastern conference. And, you know, is that the objective or is the objective to see who's a part, who are the pieces for this future? And, and I think it's the latter here. So yeah, if you can compete for a playoff team while also evaluating your squad. Yeah, of course that's gravy, but um, you know, the teams that are still in front of you, um, the heats are four and five, they're going to get better. Um, you know, the Nets are, are seven and six. They're obviously going to get better with the addition of James Harden. Um, and, you know, Charlotte's looked pretty good with Hayward and LaMelo. So, yeah, maybe is it the, is it the, the Hawks or the, the Magic? Who, who's the team that's going to drop out, right? Um, you know, the Knicks, they've looked decent and better than people expected. Um, are they better than the Bulls at this point? Maybe. And the Raptors have been a, a pretty big surprise being only two and eight this year. Um, so, I mean, Look, is it a possibility they, they can sniff a playoff uh, spot? Maybe. But, um, again, I don't think that should be the goal of Bulls fans this year. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Josh Friedman. Josh, what you got going on next for you, man? I know, you, I know, you, you know you're doing your thing at, at GN and the GN Sports TV show and things of that sort, but not just in – you know, in your, in your career, in your industry, but even outside of your career, like what you got next going on that you're, you know, thinking about or trying to get yourself into? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, you know, not get into my, you know, it's too much trouble. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, career wise, things are good. You know, WGN has been in my home for six years now. Um, and, you know, sliding into the role with the, the new sports show has been, has been a seamless transition. You know, I miss doing the nightly show with JP obviously, and, and having that platform, but, you know, do, to do GN sports and whether it's filling in on the, the anchor desk or, you know, doing stories each day, finding unique stories. It's been tough over Zoom and, and not having that um, face-to-face in-person element to, to go and, and, and do these stories as much. But um, we're all just life uh, during this pandemic. And, and that's the number one thing is to, to try to, to do your job by staying safe and, and, and making things work, um, you know, in this crazy time that we're still going through, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah, that, that aspect, it's been, it's been an adjustment working from home and, you know, going into the office only occasionally, but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm very happy and very lucky to still be working full time in this, in the sports environments as well. And outside of that, you know, 
had a wedding plan for last year that we had to postpone because of everything. So um, still engaged, still trying to get married uh, next fall, this fall. So we'll see if that happens. Um, adopted a dog. So, um, you know, outside of that, things are good. You know, I haven't been able to see family too much, which is unfortunate, but um, hopefully uh, get vaccinated soon and, and uh, be able to uh, take some trips here and, and, and see some people that uh, I care about a lot. So, uh, um, yeah, everything, everything's good, man. I appreciate you asking and appreciate you having me on the show as always. Yeah, most definitely, man. I, uh, obviously congratulations on your engagement. I, I know I pretty much put it out there in social media, but to actually see you in person, uh, you know, congratulations to you and your family and the fact that you expanded your family so quickly with the dog. That's my, wonderful, my right? is a huge dog person. <laughs> I grew up with a dog. I, I love dogs, but I, I wasn't sure if I wanted that responsibility yet. But I'm, I'm very happy. She's super cute. She's sleeping next to me on the couch. She's very laid back. She's a rescue. So she's, she's kind of shy. And um, we've, we've definitely seen her grow and uh, over the last six months that we've had her and, and open up a little bit more, especially to us. So that's been fun to watch. That's what's up, man. That's what's up for real. And I'm glad you and I'm glad you and your family and everybody's doing well and staying safe during the pandemic. Where can people follow you on social media? Yeah. Uh, Twitter. It's Josh underscore Friedman. Facebook. I think it's just my page, Josh Friedman and Instagram as well. Uh, Josh Friedman. And then the, the sports show is at GN sports TV, Twitter and Instagram. So follow us there as well. Yep. Everybody listening right now, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Same name. Now it's not different. I had to change the name just to make sure I, you know, make sure everything is intact, you know, new year, new me. Right. So I had to change, change. I changed the name. It's Josh M. Hicks Media. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. And Josh Friedman, it's always been a good, it's always been a pleasure to keep in touch with you and talk to you. Thank you for coming on my show so much. I know you guys are doing a lot right now, but I got to get back on GN, man. I got to get back on the show <laughs> get, let me and, and, and talk uh, sports, you know, with you guys. I miss talking to you guys sports, uh, sports wise. So, you know, maybe we can work things down the line where I can get back on the show. Awesome, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make that happen. Appreciate you making this happen with us and uh, having the, uh, the podcast. Best of luck with that. You're doing, doing good things, man. Wishing the best for you. So thanks again. Most definitely, man. Thank you. Uh, you continue to stay safe out there and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, buddy.